This episode of Shaun of the South is brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family dating back to my granddaddy, the fisherman, the woodcarver, and the Southern Baptist, who always said the best cure for idle hands is to build something. So keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. Hey, you are listening to Sean of the South, and I'm your host tonight, Sean Dietrich. And man, we've got a great show lined up here for you tonight, a great show coming to you live via the podcast airwaves and the radio waves all over this fine nation. This group of folks you see behind me here, behind me here on the stage, this lovely young woman and man are going to play something for you here. This is the Chatham Rabbits, everybody, the Chatham Rabbits. Inside 
This portion of my program is brought to you by Visit North Alabama, the Mount Lake Tourist Association. Travel to visit the 16 North Alabama counties that make this state what it is. Festivals, attractions, and restaurants all over Alabama. Bunt County, Cherokee County, Colbert County, Coleman County, DeKalb County, Edward County, Franklin County, Jackson County, Lauderdale County, Lawrence County, Limestone County, Madison County, Marion County, Marshall County, Morgan County, Winston County. <laughs> or visit the Horton Mill Bridge just off Alabama 75, about five miles north. Built in 1935, all the work was done strictly by hand tools. Think about that for a second. Or how about the North Alabama Barbecue Trail trek across North Alabama on a holy, sacred pilgrimage of saturated fat and slow-smoked pork. Other states do their barbecue differently than they do in Alabama, and that's not to say that they don't do it right. But that is absolutely to say that they do it dead wrong. Visit North Alabama today, because whatever you want to do, you can do it better in North Alabama. Look them up at Visit North Alabama or NorthAlabama.org or hashtag VisitNorthAL. We're going to have another tune here from the Chatham Rabbits, everybody. The Chatham Rabbits.
reach a little bit of our mail tonight, a little bit of our mail sent to us from listeners all over this country who had nothing better to do than to send us a few sentiments on paper meant to inspire, meant to touch our, our innermost, uh, you know, organs, or meant to tell us that they would like us to cease and desist under threat of legal action. Our first message comes from Elizabeth in Nashville, Tennessee. Sean, my sweet husband Cody, wrote you last week about his coonskin cap. And we really, we really do want you to know he enjoys donning his cap around town and he loves it even more when people stop him to talk about it. Now, I really try to be calm and collected as people pass by my husband with looks ranging from bewilderment to amusement. Even though I may turn pink when he wears the authentic tail end of some poor raccoon out in public, I still love him, and I still aim to be proud of his passion for his childhood. David Crockett. Did we mention that the tail of this cap is partly chewed away after an unfortunate incident with my mother's dachshund? I really must love him, Sean, because it would make Cody's day if you would give him a shout out for his birthday, he's turning 33 on February the 11th, and you can bet he will be wearing that cap. Love, Miss Davy Crockett. Well, dear Cody and dear Elizabeth, happy 33rd birthday for everybody here tonight. Robbie Carver. Dear Sean, thank you for your stories. I went over 40 years without shedding a tear, no tears of sadness, no tears of joy, no tears of pain, but I'm crying right now while I write to you. You see, we just got home from the emergency vet and had to have our 17-year-old Jack Russell, named Birdie, put to sleep. In June of 2017, we went through the same with our 15-year-old rat tear named Bogey. They were both blessings from above, bringing love and laughter and joy and happiness into our home. They taught me how to love and let me know that it was okay to cry. I've talked to Bogey every day and every night since he passed, and now I'll do the same with Bertie. I miss them so much. I think we are both simple men, Sean. All we need is a good woman to love us and to be loved in return. We need a truck and a dog to ride around with us in that truck. With just those things, we're rich beyond measure. I have a good woman and I have a good truck, but my heart is broken now that I don't have a dog to ride beside me. God bless you and yours, Robbie. Dear Robbie, there's no worse feeling in the entire world than losing a friend. Nothing I can say can make it better. Nothing I could do could take away any of that pain. Because a dog is not just a dog. A dog is someone. I just want you to know something. We are all thinking of you here tonight. Laura Wheeler, Lake City, Florida. Sean, you are my driving companion on trips to Mayo to see my brother in the nursing home. And this week, I stopped by my mom's gravesite for only the second time. She died October 1st. And you sang on one of your shows, I'll Fly Away, my mama's favorite song, just as I was setting my phone on her gravestone. I know every verse 
and you sang more than just a couple lines. And you even encouraged the audience to sing along, so it was perfect. Please know that I'm grateful. Your friend, Lori Wheeler. And P.S. You can read this on part of your show where you read the letters from your listeners. Dear Lori, consider it done. Johnny Pennewell, Birmingham, Alabama. This is a poem to his wife entitled, Same Time, Same Place, Same Love. Apparently it's the time of year to greet your friends and spread the cheer, to wish upon a star for yours and mine, to maybe even open a bottle of wine. But my task today is more important than that, so take a seat, find a place, and hang your hat. I want to give you notice to the world around. I have the best wife, none better to be found. It's 42 years legal, dated two years before. Seems like just an instant, I couldn't ask for more. You're my wonderful wife and only best friend. I'd give up my life for you in the end. There's just no gift that could ever convey, so I'm writing this prose and trying to say, I'll do it all again in the drop of a hat. I wonder if you are so inclined to that. I don't need gifts or expensive somethings. Don't worry to show up wearing only nothing. (laughs) Don't tell me you love me and all that stuff. After our years together, you've done plenty enough. We love each other is the only way to say as long as it's my fault, if not done, just your way. We never have fights except for one time a day from dawn to dark when it's down my head lay. No, really, I don't mean that too much. I treasure your voice and your loving touch. I'll give you soft whispers early every night, so scratch my back harder, a little more to the right. Time to talk of the kids, pets, and their friends. Being Little League moms with scratch knees to mend. You've made our life special, and better than that most. You've worked night and day. You're the perfect host. We started at my parents' log cabin of old. My grand, my uncle said grace, and our vows were told. Paul carried the ring in his little vest on. Your dress was so pretty, I knew I had won. We lived 10 years in your house. What a trip. We had Heidi, our dog, and a pirate ship. Just two years later, Jacob was born late. We raised those boys up without any hate. We moved in the winter to the house of our dreams. We added a pool and a party by the streams. We've sat by the fireplace and burned many logs. Duke and the bear were our favorite boys' dogs. 42 years later, I tried to see back. Lived without any cable or any internet hack. Snowstorms came and our power was out. Birthdays for all and Christmas is never doubt. Slimy dogs, parties, and trips to the beach. All the kids' homework for us to teach. And then best thing happened on one June morn. We got our new grandbaby, Caitlin, was born. So many things, but most are real old. I didn't think we had more joys to behold, but everyone's grown and heaven's above our sweet Sophia is now the new love. All the work we've put in our yard, so many kids we've nursed, it wasn't so hard. Our friends have been with us throughout it all. Our children raised together, and they've had a ball. We've taught them to eat, to love, and to drive. We're so very thankful we've made it alive. Through our adventures, one thing stayed the same. Our kind of love just doesn't have a name. I treasure our memories. I've mentioned a few. I really do appreciate all the things that you do. Thinking back is harder than I ever thought it'd be. Now you're throwing my poor memory back at me. It couldn't have been better all these years. We've lived a good life with very few tears. I couldn't ask 
ask for better. I'm grateful for you to make us better with all that you do. So maybe get more memories to share. Precious pictures take to those in care. But never doubt it for a minute or two. I love you that you married me and all that you do. I carry our love forever and a day. I just hope this verse serves well what I say. The words don't mean much when taken apart. Just know this forever, that you have my heart. I'll probably regret that I've left out so much. I know only one thing, and I'm going to shout. I love you more, is my usual comment. You're a gift to me, the best God has ever sent. Boy, what a letter, what a letter and what a poem. Happy 42 years of marriage from everybody here tonight. We're gonna have another tune here from the Tatum Rabbits, everybody, the Tatum Rabbits. Peace. 
Well, we've had some weather down where I am. Some weather that just keeps on changing. It keeps on fluctuating. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. First, we had temperatures that were down to 51 degrees on Monday, and then it, it went up to 74 degrees on Tuesday. We got a little bit of rain, and then it, it shot it back down to the, to the high 50s, and then back up to the 70s. This is schizophrenia schizophrenic weather. It's one moment it's one thing, and the next moment it is the other thing. We call this pre-March syndrome, or PMS for short, <laughs> because this is very much so like being, like being married to a female who, who is just a little undecided as to how she feels. Sometimes she gets so mad at you she starts to laugh. And then you start to laugh with her, but you must never, never laugh with a woman who is laughing with hysteria and that little twinkle in her eye, that, that crazy look. You laugh with a woman like that and her laughter will immediately turn into a heated kind of an anger and then she will throw a, a skillet at you or, or a small cooler or even, even a, a household appliance. You just never know. You've got to be careful. You do not laugh with her when she laughs. You just duck your head and you wait for it to end. And when it ends, you say what all men should be saying. Can I go to the store and get you some chocolate honey? <laughs> Perhaps if she is in a, a merciful mood, she will only throw something made of aluminum at you. You never know. It was around this kind of season that my cousin and I, my cousin Ed Lee and I, had a chance to do something incredible. And I'll never forget it. We were driving along in this 82 Ford, his 82 Ford. It was an old truck that he'd got, and it was in bad shape, but he had been fixing it and working on it. He'd tuned the carburetors. He'd adjusted the timing on it. He, it, was, it was red with two gray doors that were prime gray that he'd stolen from a from the salvage yard in Andalusia, Alabama. Boy, he just would cruise down the road, and the, the, the girls would all swoon. But they didn't swoon because of his car. They swooned because my cousin, Ed Lee, was reported to have the worst body odor in three counties. <laughs> we were bu buddies growing up. He was a little older than me. He knew things about life I didn't know. He knew a lot of things about life. I'll never forget hearing my mother and my father talk through the, the heat and vent in our house. I'd listen to the vent, and I'd hear my mother say, you know, I don't want that Ed Lee hanging around Sean. He's a bad inference on it. And I wondered about this. I wondered, what is an inference? And Ed Lee knew just about everything, so I asked him. I said, what's an inference? He thought about this. He said, hmm, about inference, hmm. Well, that's easy. Don't you never watch football? Football. He said, yeah, you know when the referee is waving his hand up there, he says, pass inference. <laughs> he said, what your mom's trying to say is I'm like your teammate and you should follow me wherever I go. That was my cousin, Ed Lee. Driving along in his 82 Ford, we were, we were in Georgia. We were heading toward Atlanta on Highway 29, just, just near Grantville. I'll never forget it. Beautiful day. It was the kind of weather that was just beautiful enough to break your heart. The sun was shining. The kudzu was swallowing the entire world. And the little two-lane highways just seemed to lope over the small hills that rise and fall in the good state of Georgia. 
My cousin Ed Lee and I were listening to Willie Nelson. Never forget it. Willie Nelson, my childhood hero. Coming over the radio, he was singing, Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds arise. An unclouded day was the song. Something about the way Willie sings that that just does it for me. We turned it up, we rolled down the windows, we were chewing black licorice whips, and my cousin Ed Lee was driving about 40 miles over the speed limit, and we had our hands dangling out the window, making little airplane shapes because of the wind current was so fast that all you had to do was throw your, your hand out the window like this and, and wave it up and down and feel the wind going underneath your arm. And we were singing, Oh, the land of cloudless days. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. Willie Nelson has been my childhood hero ever since I was old enough to change my own diaper. <laughs> yes, my mother, when I was in the fourth grade, my mother gave me a lunchbox, a homemade lunchbox with Willie Nelson's portrait painted on it in acrylic paint and Sharpie marker. She had gotten one of my father's old toolboxes and, and put the picture of Willie Nelson on it, holding his, his guitar with his red and white and blue striped guitar strap and his cowboy hat and his braids. Boy, I was a styling fourth grader, let me tell you. Yes, I know every word to just about every song Willie ever wrote and sang, and I still cry, I still cry. Whenever I hear on the radio, mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys because my mother failed expressly in this regard. <laughs> I loved Willie Nelson, I'll never forget. I'll never forget when I was a boy, Willie Nelson was coming into town and they were advertising it on the radio station, WRRS, and I was listening to it and, and you had to buy your ticket soon or they were gonna go out fast and I, 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 I saved up money from working little odd jobs. I mowed my, my friend's father's yard and I, I cleaned out the barn extra and I, my father would pay me money, quarters. He paid me quarters to do little jobs like that. And I paid for a pair of tickets and I owed my father a little bit in, in credit. And I got these tickets from the radio station to see Willie Nelson live and in person. I was so excited. But it never worked out because I came down on the day of the concert with a bad fever. My mother came up to my bedroom and there I was laying in bed. She said, are you all right? I said, I'm fine, I'm fine. She said, you don't look so good. Your skin is as white as a volleyball. I said, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I stepped out of bed. She said, you, you ain't just telling me you're fine so you can go to the Willie Nelson concert, are you? I said, no, ma'am. And I tried to walk a straight line and I fell face forward and got a mouthful of carpet. And the dog came up behind me and started licking my hind parts. <laughs> my mother said, get in bed. You are not going to that concert tonight and you're not going to school neither. And I laid in bed I laid in bed and my mother had brought chicken soup and wheeled a little portable television on that, on, that, on that TV tray into my bedroom and I watched the Andy Griffith show while my father sat beside me monitoring my temperature to make sure my brain wasn't turning into boiled pudding. 
And well, I had this opportunity. I was 17 years old with my cousin Ed Lee rolling along the scenery of Georgia to Atlanta. Now, we had a friend, Danny Bobby is what we named him, but his real name was Daniel. And Danny Bobby was graduating. He was older than us. Danny Bobby's father was paying the bill for Danny Bobby's friends to attend a Willie Nelson concert in Atlanta. And my God, you have never seen a bigger Willie Nelson fan than the man who's speaking to you right now, only followed in intensity and passion by his cousin, Ed Lee. We rode in that truck, singing that song, and when we got to Grantville, Georgia on Highway 29, we looked out the window, and I saw a shape fly by us. I knew exactly what it was. It was an old man, I could tell from the gray hair he had. And he was knelt down beside his truck and he was changing his tire. He looked like he was struggling from that glimpse we got of him. And we drove ahead, my cousin Ed Lee turned down the radio and we were silent. We were silent and I knew we were probably thinking the same thing. A few miles down the road we were disgusted with ourselves. You see, we were raised evangelical, evangelical. And the, the parables that we were forced to memorize at gunpoint in Sunday school <laughs> were parables like the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan. And we felt just as low as you could be, just as low. My cousin Italy finally turned off the radio and said, I, I can't stand myself. We've got to turn around and go help that man. Or else we will probably wake up in that place on a condominium on the lake of fire. <laughs> so we did. We turned around. We drove on back. And there was this man. He was knelt by his tire and he was struggling with a jack that was rusted. And this man was old. He had sweat and grease stains on his shirt from working on that tire. And he had half of his face paralyzed from, I assumed, a stroke. His left eye didn't work and his left side of his mouth drooped kind of downward. And when he spoke, it was through the right side of his mouth. My cousin Ellie said, you need some help. And the man said, yeah, I do, I do. And he was noticeably, he was noticeably tired and worn out from that Georgia heat bearing down on his head. We stepped out and we started to, to, started to crank up his truck. It took two of us just to turn the rusted jack. And while my cousin Ellie was working on that tire, I looked and I saw that the man's spare tire was completely flat. Had a slow leak in it. There was no hope for him. And the man sat down against his, his rear tire and he dabbed his face with a handkerchief. He said, there's no hope. Uh, it's, it's pointless. There's nothing you can do that's going to help me now. Cousin Ellie said, it ain't that bad. We can take you into town and get you a new tire. It ain't that bad. The man said, no, you don't get it. You don't get it. I'm late. No matter what I do, I'm late for Columbus. I'll never make it in time. I got 45 minutes before the party starts. I said, you got 45 minutes to get to Columbus while you're an hour away. He said, I, I know. I looked in the back of his truck and I saw the back of that truck lined with gifts. 
There were baby items. There were, were infant clothes on hangers stacked in big piles of clothes. There was a stroller, brand new, still in the box, and toys galore and a crib still in the large cardboard box. And then I peeked in the truck bed of his truck, and I saw styrofoam coolers, about a dozen of them, piled together. They were white coolers, duct taped with the lids shut. I said, what kind of party are you going to? He said, I'm going to a baby shower. Cousin Ed Lee and I scratched our heads. We said, well, we can't change your tire. All we could do is give you a ride in the town. He said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just leave me here. I can't get to that party no how. Well, dadgum. <laughs> Cousin Ed Lee and I convened together. We were 17 years old. Willie Nelson was beckoning to us from the great gate city of the south. Well, my cousin Ed Lee and I decided that we would take this man an hour south behind us to Columbus. And so we hurried. We hurried because if we played our cards right and my cousin drove fast enough, we might be able to get to Columbus, drop off the man and his supplies, and run all the way up north to Atlanta in time for the concert with our friends. Maybe we'd catch the final half of Willie's show in time enough to hear him sing some of his hits like you were always on my mind and crazy and unclouded day. We loaded all that baby supplies into the back of my cousin Ed Lee's truck, and we loaded all the styrofoam coolers into the back, and we drove, my cousin Ed Lee drove fast enough on Highway 29, going sometimes 40 miles over the speed limit. He was conjuring up the great spirit of the immortal Richard Petty. Long live the king. He drove, and while he drove, that old man liked to talk. He was a talker. We learned a little bit about him. We learned that his wife had left him a long, long time ago and taken his kids while they were still teenagers to California. And she finished raising them more or less without his help because he was so far away and couldn't afford to go visit them. He said that now his children were adults and he hardly knew them. But recently his daughter had moved back to Georgia and she had She'd had a wedding. She'd married, she'd married a man, her second husband, and now she was pregnant. And she was having a baby shower. And he said, I just want to be a part of this girl's life. I just want to be a part of my daughter's life. He said, I volunteered to cook all the food for her baby shower. And even though this man looked like he was in poor health, he said he'd been cooking pork shoulders all week, smoking them in his barbecue, barbecue grill. He said, I got enough pork shoulder back there in them coolers to feed the Red Army. Well, we finally arrived in Columbus into a small, simple neighborhood, a neighborhood that was scattered with, with single-story homes and single-wide trailers perched up on, on blocks. We parked, and we noticed there were cars parking behind us. If you can believe it, we got to Columbus with five minutes to spare. My cousin drove so daggum fast, I told him he needed to consider a lifetime career path at the Talladega Super Speedway. <laughs> 
We helped that man unload them baby items and placed them on this back screened-in porch of a trailer home. And then we carried in the coolers and we set them down inside this kitchen on the counters. There were so many coolers that it knocked that trailer off balance a little bit. And that man, he grinned at us and we said, we got to leave. We got to leave for Atlanta now. We're never going to make it in time. My cousin Ed Lee and I were heading for the door. He said, no, please wait. I can't, I can't ever repay you for your kindness to me. At least eat something before you leave. And well, since my cousin Ed Lee and I were 17 years old, and we had appetites roughly, roughly the size of a North Atlantic whale, we ate barbecue on buns. We ate so much barbecue that our feet swelled, our ears rang, and, our f and we started to slip into diabetic hallucinations. <laughs> and the old man introduced us to his daughter. His daughter. She was a lovely, lovely young woman. The house was filled with young women who were carrying wrapped gifts, dressed in nice clothes with heels and pearls on. And his young daughter was lovely. She was lovely. He said, I'd like you to meet my youngest girl. And she came forward and she hugged me. And then she came to Ed Lee and she hugged him and she even kissed Ed Lee on the cheek. Now, she's the only female, the prettiest female at least, to get that close and make physical contact with my cousin Ed Lee without gagging. <laughs> cousin Ed Lee's Cousin Ed Lee's body odor was so impressive that it could, that it could wither small plants and cause, and cause most people's dogs to want to leave the room. But this girl kissed him. She said, I can never thank you enough for what you did for my daddy. My cousin Ed Lee and I just kind of looked at each other. Well, something happened inside us. Something little, it just kind of happened right there behind the belly button. And my cousin Ed Lee and I knew that we could not leave this, this old man. We couldn't leave him here in Columbus. And so we stayed. We stayed at this baby shower, and I'm proud to tell you that my cousin Ed Lee and I engaged in girlish games in the den with several other females. And we helped eat that barbecue out of them coolers. And then we even helped do dishes. And when the girls had all filed out and left for home, my cousin Ed Lee was even in the den vacuuming. And I called my friend in Atlanta to tell him I was sorry that we didn't make that concert. And when I hung up, I felt no remorse over missing that concert. Because there at the, at the kitchen table was a man who we'd been talking with and sipping coffee with and we'd played poker with after we'd finished playing games with the girls. In fact, we played so much poker, my cousin Ed Lee owed him roughly $900,000. <laughs> and that man was grinning. He was grinning so that the right side of his face was only showing a smile and the left side was paralyzed. But he grinned so big that his left eye paralyzed eyelid began to flutter just a little bit. The man said, you know, I'm real sorry I made you miss your concert. I'm real sorry. I feel awful about it. My cousin Lee came in from the other room. He said, don't feel awful about it. I doubt Will even knew that we weren't there. 
And I nodded in agreement with, with Cousin Adley. And I don't know why I said this many, many years later. I can't figure out why I said this. I said, sir, we don't even like Willie Nelson all that much. It was a blatant lie. And one I wish I could take back after, after all this time has lapsed. Because it's not true. I, I love Willie Nelson. I love everything that he wrote about. About old faded Levi's and big belt buckles and clear mountain mornings and little warm puppies and being a cowboy. My cousin and I got in that truck and we left. My cousin turned on the radio and we heard it. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of a land far away where the tree of life is in eternal bloom. Shed its fragrance on an uncloudy day. Oh, the land of cloudless days. Oh, the land of an unclouded sky. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me on an uncloudy day. I'm sorry I didn't make it to your concert, Willie, but I want you to know something. You were always, always on my mind. Hey, thanks for listening to me tonight. It's been a wonderful pleasure being here. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I'm your host today, Sean Dietrich. Man, it's been a bona fide pleasure. If I do say so myself, this episode was brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family dating back to my granddaddy who once said the best way to cure idle hands was to build something. So keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife and Folklore Brewing Company, quite literally the best brew in Alabama. Folklore Brewing Company took home two gold medals at the Alabama Craft Beer Championship. Do yourself a favor and check them out at Folklore Brewing and Meadery. Dot com. That wonderful music you heard by me today was the Chatham Rabbits, North Carolina's own husband and wife duo who've played smoky bars, summer festivals, and busked on the streets of Nashville until their voices wore out. They played tunes at weddings and old-time church singings, and since this past summer, they decided to leave their corporate careers and take Chatham Rabbits full-time on the road, and since then, they have done incredibly well. You won't find too many people who don't know their name. Check out ChathamRabbits.com, and while you're there, take the time to drop them a line and tell them how much you like their music and download their album you won't regret it to find anything more about what i do you can visit seanofthesouthshow.com and there you can find archived episodes dating back to our first episode when we had absolutely no idea what we were doing and by us i mean me while you're there take the time to drop me a line to me about your birthday announcements wedding invitations and potluck socials and i do my best to read them over there for my friends because i love to do that sort of stuff for my friends and speaking of friends friends some people cause happiness wherever they go, and others cause happiness whenever they go away. Be one, but not the other. Adios. Adios.